Welcome to the Muckle Teal Football Show. My name is Miles. Buffalo Bills trample the New England Patriots 24 to 10. My hesitation there was, can we really call it a trample when last time it was a true trample? The last time these two teams met in the wild card round, uh, Bills scored seven touchdowns on seven drives. Remember that crazy stat that they gained every possible yard they could gain. <laughs> like They had 480 yards of field position and they gained 480 yards. So this game was not that. Hence my hesitation about using the word trample. It's just it's just perspective. No, the Bills won this game handedly. More of a trot over over the the squirming body of the Patriots rather than like a trample to death like the wild card game was. Okay, I'm getting off track. <laughs> 24-10. Um well the game started good on Amazon Prime. You know, the Patriots stopped the Bills for a field goal. Early, that was a big deal because, like I said, seven drives, seven touchdowns last time. Uh, and then the Patriots took the lead with uh, with that screen pass to Marcus Jones, which looked like it was like a hot route. Madden players definitely <laughs> knew that. Like the, the, the outside linebacker blitzed in and Mac Jones was like, well, that means I throw it to that guy and just did it. And then Marcus Jones made the... His returning skills uh, evident. Uh, he was, of course, the the punt returner against the Jets that won that game for them, uh, and got his t- got his touchdown, which was his. I mean, he's a punt returner slash defensive back. That was his first snap on offense. That touchdown, but uh, that was it for good news for the Patriots. <laughs> From there, you know the Patriots. Defense played okay. You know they forced three punts um, and they held them that to that field goal early, but. The Patriots offense struggled mightily, you know, and Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels, they were talking about, you know, the, the New England fans, uh, while they look good in the jerseys and the, and the, you know, Pat, the Patriots at midfield, they were frustrated. Uh, and, you know, I think Herbstreet said, you can't tell who they're mad at the quarterback or the system, you know, it's tough too, because. I don't always defend Patriots fans. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there's 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 the dumb fans in every fan base who think everything is against them and stuff like that. But I think there is sort of a little bit of, of uh, pity that we have to have on Patriots fans because they think <laughs> this is they actually think that they're going to get back to something that looks like Brady. <laughs> That's what I feel like. I feel like they think. Okay, we've done the rebuild. We did it for two years. Now we should start seeing the signs of getting back to the rebuild to 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 what we used to have. It's like bad news, guys. You may never get that back. You will never get that back. You'll never get that back. And I, as a Seahawks fan, I can speak from experience. We we had the Legion of Boom. We had this amazing defense with all these amazing players: Bobby Wagner, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman. And then we had a couple years where everyone in the fan base agreed, we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding. But then as we got back to it, many fans were like, well, we're not back yet. We haven't rebuilt. You know, it's like, because it's not the Legion of Boom, we're never going to get back there. (laughs) 
You're never going to have the Legion of Boom again. No team is. So uh, I feel like that's what's happening with the Patriots fans' booze that we heard a, a lot here. Though you could start by by firing Matt Patricia because he's obviously part of the problem. He wasn't even a good defensive coordinator. Horrible head coach. How is he a good offensive coordinator? I don't know. That seems like step one. Uh, the Bills rolled through the game, as I said, trampled over a squirming Patriot. Um they had those two second quarter touchdowns, and that kind of changed the complexion of the game. There's one to Diggs, one to Gabe Davis, which was <laughs> that was Josh Allen rolling right again, then jumping midair from the sideline, throwing the ball back against the grain into the end zone to Gabe Davis for a touchdown. It's the most Josh Allen touchdown ever. But that that made the score 17-7. Forced the Patriots into passing situations, forced, uh, not forced, allowed the Bills to feel comfortable running the ball much more. You know, James Cook is 14 for 64, Singletary's 13 for 51. You know, I, I praise the Bills all the time for for not sticking with the run when it's not working. Well, it has been working. You know, this wasn't wasn't like as good as it was on the Browns game, but it's nice to see these these good, efficient numbers from their multiple running backs. James Cooks, Devin Singletary, Naeem Hines. And of course, Josh Allen can run it, um, though he shouldn't be. God, Josh Allen. I, I mean, I just don't know. Is he going to make it? Uh, the, you know, Kirk Herbstreit. I just love his competitive spirit. Josh Allen's being dragged down and looking for another defender to hit him as well. I mean. It's not gonna. It's just not gonna last. I'm sorry. Every there is no such thing as indestructible. If someone was indestructible, destructible, it would have been Cam Newton. And he even he played like a hundred games where we just had to kept saying he doesn't look right. So Bills go to nine and three. Good position for the number one seed. They got the tiebreaker of the Chiefs. They got to hold off the Dolphins though, and the Patriots. Ugh, they fall to six and six in critical shape. They're they're competing for that wild card spot with the Dolphins, the Jets, the Chargers, the, and one of the Bengals or Ravens. It's tough. Our Muckleteal Football Show. This show is football, everything, NFL history, legacy, ups and downs of a season. Follow us at MUK underscore football on Twitter or YouTube. Uh, Subscribe, share, review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get podcasts. We have shows Thursday after Thursday Night Football, Sunday after Sunday Night Football, and Monday after Monday Night Football. And what we do every Thursday, we take four of the big games coming up uh, for this week 13 here. And we're going to just talk about them and pick the line, pick the game against the spread. Um, and just, uh, you know, we have some nuggets today for, for history today. <laughs> uh, you know, some, some all time standing stuff to start with, but, uh, well, let's just get right to it. First game, the green Bay Packers versus the Chicago bears. I know it's not the most exciting game in terms of this season, but this is an exciting game. For the all-time NFL wins standings, 102 years of standings, both the Packers and the Bears are tied at 786 wins. So the winner of this, unless they tie, which would be epic, will finally hold sole possession of the all-time wins. Now, this was, you know, this was a big plot line going into the season. I think a lot of us thought the Packers would comfortably have it by this point. But they have only gained a game on the Bears, and we're going into week 13. And the drama for me here is that 
Could the Bears hold on? Could they hold on to ever giving this up? Because they have had it since the beginning. They've had the most wins of any NFL team in NFL history since 1920. And they've, they've just slowly eroded. The Packers, three decades of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers have made up so many games. I, I actually ran the numbers. In 1992, the all-time wins was Bears 556, Packers 453. So the Bears led by 103 wins in 1992 after, after they had just had a great 1980s. Then three decades of Favre and Rodgers, and the Packers have gained 103 wins. But how crazy would it be at the very end of the Aaron Rodgers era? And I do think we're coming to the end of the Aaron Rodgers area. What if the Bears win this game? And they, they hold on for the rest of the season. They never give up sole possession of this right at the end. And then maybe it's time for Chicago to be better than Green Bay for the first time in 30 years. The Bears could do this. I don't know. It's exciting for me. It's exciting for me. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people talk about this record and stuff. And it's, oh, it's just longevity, you know, semantics. The Packers and Bears have both been here. Let me point out, the Packers and the Bears are comfortably ahead in all-time wins, but neither team is in the top five or bottom five of all-time losses. It's That belongs to the St. Louis, Chicago, uh, Arizona, Phoenix Cardinals. They have 785 losses. The Lions have 701. Then the Giants, Eagles, and Washington. So we are talking not necessarily purely about longevity, but also success. Bears and Packers, 786 wins apiece. And it all comes down to this game, which may or may not have Justin Fields or Aaron Rodgers in it. <laughs> Both of them want to play. Fields wants to play after watching Philadelphia put up the eighth highest rushing total of the Super Bowl era against Green Bay. Jalen Hurts had 100 yards in that first quarter. So Fields is like, yeah, put me against that defense. And Rodgers certainly wants to play after watching Mike White of the Jets throw all over the Bears. He's saying, yeah. Make sure that I play that defense and that Jordan Love doesn't, right? Because this is a good day to pad your stats. You don't want Jordan Love getting a good game out there because Aaron Rodgers, he's, you know, he's a PR guy. Um, in reality, both these teams are so deeply flawed. I mean, it probably, this is a horrible game to pick because it probably uh, comes down to which quarterback plays. And and if if both play, which one is the healthiest? It says the line is Bears underdogs by four and a half. Um, you know, I'm rooting for the Bears, but I think I'll take the Packers on this because without Fields, the Bears have absolutely no hope. Without Rodgers, I think the Packers would probably be fine. Then again, they've I felt like they should be fine pretty much the whole year, and yet they're four and eight. Um, so we'll see. But I'm I am gonna go with the Packers on this, but rooting for the Bears. I win either way. All right, next game. The Jacksonville Jaguars go to the Detroit Lions. I know these are some weird games to start with. I promise we're, we're getting to Miami, San Francisco. We will talk Kansas City, Cincinnati right after this. But this is an interesting game as well. Jaguars, Lions. It's, uh, you know, first of all, it's a battle of our, our number one and number two overall picks in the 2022 NFL draft. Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions. Trayvon Walker for the Jaguars. 
rookie defensive ends, outside linebacker, edge rusher guys. No, I mean, obviously that's not really the headline of this game, though they are both doing fairly well. Or I should say that they're both doing what we expected. You know, Aiden Hutchinson's having some some bad moments, but also some very, very good moments, game-changing moments. Got five and a half sacks, two interceptions. And then Walker has just kind of been invisible you know, learning a new position. He wasn't really a pass rusher in college, and now he's learning all the outside linebacker stuff. So they're doing they're doing okay, both of them, uh, the number one and number two picks uh, uh, in the draft uh, back in April. But I'm more looking at this game. I think we're all looking at more at this game. It's a good matchup on the road again for Trevor Lawrence. I think we're all wondering, was that it? Was that the breakout? Is the generational quarterback prospect, is he coming? If he is, he'll beat up the Lions, right? Because he's had momentum of three pretty solid games with a transcendent final drive against the Ravens that got everybody's attention. Our eyes are on Trevor Lawrence. If he carves up the Lions here in week 13, oh man, (laughs) things are going on fire. And on the other side, if the Lions handle Trevor Lawrence and handle uh, the Jaguars here at home, then they will be four out of five wins with their only loss being a last second field goal to the Bills on Thanksgiving. And the Bills, we just watched bounce back and crush the Patriots. We're going to be feeling good about one of these teams, the Jaguars or the Lions, after week 13. And this game is basically a pick 'em. Um, It is uh, so Detroit is underdogs by one Jacksonville favored. Uh, well, I'm it's quarterbacks, right? If you, when it's a pick I look at the quarterbacks and uh, I'll take Trevor Lawrence, even in his poor play uh, over Jared Goff, any dang day of the week. Jaguars, they're getting this. All right, next game. Miami at San Francisco. The prodigal son returns. Mike McDaniel returning to face his his mentor, protege, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, Mike McDaniel was there for the whole run. The Arian Foster Texans, the, the Browns, Kyle Shanahan Browns, the days with the Washington team, with the days with the Falcons, all the all everything before t- this year with the 49ers. And Mike McDaniel's back, taking on his mentor. This could be a really interesting scheme game to see what, what does Mike McDaniel know about stopping, quote-unquote, his own defense. Kind of an interesting chess match, um, though. The Dolphins are underdogs by four. That might not be the case had not uh, left tackle Taron Armstead uh, tore his left pec. Um, so that's not an ideal time to be facing San Francisco. You can't really scheme. I mean, you can scheme around it, but you can't use the you can't optimize your scheme if you've got to think about a backup tackle against Nick Bosa. Uh so even though the Dolphins throttled the Texans last week to the point where they're resting their guys in the fourth quarter and the 49ers offense looked shaky against the Saints, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, he's fine. Everyone loves him here, heroically guiding an offense with five blue chip players to 13 points. You know, I just I know I take a lot of shots at Jimmy Garoppolo. There's so much stuff out there. People saying. You know, the win-loss record for Kyle Shanahan with and without Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think, yeah, those are the quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan was using are quarterbacks who couldn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. So they suck. There is a multiverse. There is an alternate universe where Kyle Shanahan had a good quarterback 
in the last five years. And I think they have two Super Bowl rings. I think the 49ers have two Super Bowl rings right now with that 2019 and last year. This was the five years that the Kyle Shanahan system took over the NFL. He should be at the heart of success and he's on the fringes. And I believe that's because of Jimmy Garoppolo. So don't give me the win loss record. There's a fictitious world where they have a Stafford or somebody like that, where they're winning Super Bowls. Okay. (laughs) That was my last shot at Jimmy Garoppolo. I promise this game, of course, is way more than that. There's so much talent on the field in this game. We got Tyree Kill. We got Jalen Waddell from Tua. We got Debo Samuel. We got Christian McCaffrey. We got George Kittle. I mean, there is a lot of stuff going on in this game. And of course, uh, it'll probably be like 10 to 7. <laughs> All right, next game. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs go to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. The line is close. Chiefs are favored by two and a half. I'm surprised at that line that it's so low. There always seems to be like some lingering uncertainty around the Bengals, but not here. The red hot Chiefs are coming in and and it's it's under a field goal line. Um, You know, I know one of the things I've talked about, maybe this is what Vegas is picking up on. uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. is that the Bengals red zone offense has improved because they they weren't even good in the red zone even while while they were making their Super Bowl run last year. All that December stuff and January stuff is all big plays and defense. But now, and they actually they weren't good in September. But now, October, November, the Bengals have suddenly become efficient in the red zone. They have a I think someone posted a 17 touchdown uh, streak or something that doesn't count kneel downs or because there's a couple of kneel downs in there. So not an official streak, but a common sense streak. They're scoring touchdowns when they get in the red zone. That has changed. This is a already good team improving. And perhaps there's some of the AFC title game in that, uh, that line as well. I mean, after all the Bengals did beat the chiefs to go to the super bowl. The Mahomes offense was slaughtering the Bengals defense in the first half to the point that it basically fell over. Then the Bengals dropped eight, said, do anything but that, what you were doing in the first half, and the Chiefs couldn't. And it was baffling. I don't know. I'm going to take Mahomes here. I just think that that is, this is sad, or maybe not sad, but this shows you how great Pat Mahomes' career has been. But that AFC title game loss was the low point of his career last year. And, and we saw like super energy passion out of, out of him when they were crushing the Buccaneers in week four. I think we see that again. I think this is a big part of Mahomes' MVP candidacy, his revenge against the Bucs, his revenge against the Bengals this week. I'll take Mahomes, scorched earth, Chiefs to cover the two and a half. Though if it goes different, if Joe Burrow has a day instead of Mahomes, then I don't know. Maybe he puts his foot a little bit more into the MVP race. We got a good MVP race this year. I think I'll, I'll talk more about that after the week, but uh, it's going to be good. So I will take the Chiefs to cover that two and a half in Cincinnati. All right. We will see you Sunday and Monday to talk about week 13. My name is Miles and good night.